You're now listening to The Nest on Tap, conversations to encourage parents to make informed choices about healthcare and embrace parenting as a tool to change the world, one diaper at a time. Here's your host, Katie Demont. Okay. Welcome, and thank you for joining us at The Nest on Tap. I'm your host, Katie Demota, and I'm excited to introduce to you Sarah Rosensweet. Sarah is a certified peaceful parenting coach, a speaker and an educator, and the parenting advice columnist for Canada's Globe and Mail newspaper. She lives in Toronto with her husband and her three big kids, aged 13, 16, and 19. Peaceful parenting is a non-punitive, connection-based approach that uses firm limits with lots of empathy. Sarah works one-on-one virtually with parents all over the world. Today, she'll be sharing her tips for how to stop yelling at your kids, something I'm sure we're all excited to learn more about. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. So fun to be being beamed into California. I see some (laughs) green green trees over there. Um, so yeah, thanks for the thanks for the introduction. Um, and today we are going to be talking about how to stop yelling at your kids, and that is just sort of um, a casual way of talking about self-regulation. That's really what we're going to be talking about today is emotional self-regulation. And so even if you're not um, a yeller per se, um, but you feel that you get sort of upset with your kids more than more than you'd like to, and you can't, you know, you do the exaggerated sigh or the. Uh, fine or whatever we're just talking about a continuum right from showing your annoyance to yelling at your kids to maybe things that are even um you know harder harder for you to think about so uh self-regulation does not mean that you never get upset that is not the goal that the goal here is not that we don't get upset or angry or frustrated or annoyed The goal with self-regulation is that when we feel those things, we know how to calm ourselves so that we can respond to our children rather than react out of the big feeling that we're having. So I just want to make that clear. Uh, Being peaceful, being a peaceful parent doesn't mean that your kids never get under your skin or never push your buttons or any of that. It just means that that you put a big emphasis um, on trying to trying to calm yourself so that you can respond in a peaceful way um, rather than yelling. So I just want to talk for a minute about why it's important. And I think you all probably agree that it's important and that's why you're here today. Um, But not yelling at your kids is important for a couple of different reasons. Um, You know, one is that it makes them feel bad. And, you know, even if you have a child who just stares at you blankly and, you know, when you're, when you're yelling at them, I mean, some kids will burst into tears and, or some kids will say, you know, you're mean or you're making me sad or whatever, but some kids will just stare at you and look like they don't even care but the research shows that if you hook that child up to um, like some biofeedback, you know, look at their heart rate and their cortisol levels, <clears throat> their heart rate would be out, would be fast, their blood pressure would be elevated, and their cortisol levels would be spiking. So even if they don't look like they're upset, it's still upsetting for a child to be yelled at by their mom or dad, or by a teacher or by anyone really. I mean, nobody likes to be yelled at, right? Another reason we don't want to yell is because it makes us feel bad, right? When we, um, we you know, lie in bed at night beating ourselves up for having lost it on our kids and um, it's not a good feeling. But I think the most important reason why we don't wanna yell, well, maybe not the most important, but to me, this is a really important reason, is that yelling hurts our relationship with our kids. 
So every time you yell at your child, they're going to wall off a little bit of their heart to you. And it doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean that, you know, that you, that you don't have good times at other times, but it will hurt your relationship over time. If you think about if you've had, um, like a, you know, if you had a teacher or a boss or someone that yelled at you all the time, you would start to, you know, not want to do your best work for that person. And you would, you wouldn't want to show up the best way that you could for that person if they yelled at you all the time. And the same thing is true for our kids. Like they're the best way that we have to influence our children is through our relationship with them. Um, my oldest son, who's 19 now, and he was about 16, he said, mom, so many of my friends don't, call their parents and tell them where they're going or they ignore their calls when when their parents call them or they don't go home at night and he said um somewhat disdainfully he said you're really lucky that I care what you and dad think so to me that sort of encapsulated all of this stuff right like I know you guys have little kids right now and probably you hear horror stories about teenagers and how hard it is to be the parent of teenagers and honestly, I never thought that I would say, I love having three teenagers, but I do. And it's not because I'm like a special unicorn or they're special unicorns. It's because they um, have been raised with peaceful parenting and they care what their dad and I think. And that's what really is 90% of parenting teenagers um, or kids in general. I mean, it's important. It's important for a two-year-old or a five-year-old or eight-year-old, but like especially important when you can no longer really control your kids because they're out in the world and they have a life separate from you. So yelling really does hurt your relationship with your children over time. Um, and what we like to say in peaceful parenting is that nobody deserves to be yelled at. And so your kid can do something really annoying, bad, um, you know, some behavior that is really challenging or that you don't like. And still, let's find a way to deal with that behavior rather than yelling. And, you know, the, the leap of faith that I'm going to ask you to make here, if you're new to peaceful parenting, is that you don't actually need to make anyone feel bad to learn something, right? You know, some, some parents might think, well, I don't, I don't really need to stop yelling because my child needs to understand when they've crossed a line and yelling at them lets them know that they've crossed that line. You don't need to make anyone feel bad to learn. I know I don't need to be made to feel bad to learn something. And, um, you know, in my experience as a parent and my experience as a coach, I've seen that over and over again, that we really don't need to make people feel bad to learn. Okay, so those are sort of the those are the, sort of the reasons why we want to stop yelling. Um, maybe you have your own reason. Maybe you remember being yelled at as a child, and you know how bad that made you feel, and you don't want to do that with your with your children. So I just want to before I'm going to give you some really concrete things today that you can do to help yourself um, get regulated when things are difficult. You know how to stop yelling if you're a yeller, or how. You know, if you have little kids now and, and you know, maybe you're, it's, you don't really want to, you're, you're not at the point where you need, you feel like you need to yell because your child's a baby or whatever, but this, you can put this in your back pocket and um, know that you're going to have some strategies that you can take away so that you won't turn into a yeller if your kids are little and you can stop yelling if you've already gone down that path. But I do want to also say that this takes time. You're not going to walk away from this class like, and never yell again, right? Because it takes time to change a habit and don't give up. You might have like a couple of really good days or even just like a good afternoon when you didn't, and then you yell the next day. Just keep trying, keep going. It takes time, you know, two steps forward, one step back, and you're still closer to your goal. And so um, be kind to yourself about this. Don't beat yourself up. I mentioned, you know, parents often, I know 
parents I work with, after they've had a bad day with their kids, they lie in bed at night and feel horrible and beat themselves up. I have never seen anyone make any progress in parenting by beating themselves up. The only way that you can make any progress or any changes is by being kind to yourself and talking to yourself like you would a best friend, right? You know, your best friend says, oh, I totally lost it on my kids today. And um, I feel terrible. And your best friend would say like, hey, it's okay. Everybody makes mistakes sometimes. You know, you can make a repair with your kids and tomorrow's a new day. So that's where you're going to make uh, progress from and growth from is being kind to yourself. Because we know that when people feel bad, they act bad, right? So if you won't do it because, <clears throat> because you trust me, just remember that when you feel bad, you act bad. So um, let's start with some tools. So um, Katie said it was okay if I share with you that I do have um, a, a book, a Stop Yelling, How to Stop Yelling at Your Kids ebook that comes with the supporting materials that I'm going to recommend to you. You don't need that, but I'll um, make sure you can, actually you can find it on my website under resources. There's the How to Stop Yelling at Your Kids challenge. And if you don't want to um, do that though, just grab a notebook and you can just do, you know make this chart that I'm going to tell you about yourself. So start with making yourself a respectful voice chart. And so in peaceful parenting, we don't actually recommend uh, rewards and punishments for the kids, but we're gonna make an exception here and you're gonna give yourself a sticker chart that your kids are gonna fill in for you. So you start out with um, making a, a proclamation of your intent, right? Maybe you tell your, your partner, maybe your partner wants to do this together with you if you have a partner. You tell the kids, we're gonna try and stop yelling, right? Is this, we're, we really, really don't wanna yell at you. And one of the things we're gonna do is we're gonna have a sticker chart, like a mom or dad sticker chart. And at the end of the day, if I didn't yell, I get a sticker. And you can tell me if I get a sticker or not. And if you feel that it's gonna be hard to make it through an entire day, divide up the day in half. You get a sticker if you didn't yell before lunch, and then you get a sticker if you didn't yell before bedtime. And the great thing about the um, respectful voice chart is that it really keeps you accountable, you know, to yourself and to your kids. Um, they'll know and they'll appreciate how hard you are working at this. So make yourself a respectful voice chart. You'll also be able to see the progress that you're making as you um, as you keep going. It might take you a few days to get a sticker, and that's okay. But before you know it, at the end of the month, you'll look back and you'll see those stickers showing up more frequently. Because what we're doing here is we're rewiring our brains. Um, this is what this is how you change a habit is you are rewiring your brain. Even as we age, our brains are still plastic and changing all the time, depending on the actions that we take. So <clears throat> if um, right now your um, your habit or your reaction is to go from you know getting upset to yelling, what we want to do is start to change that so that it's not so as you think of like, it's like a, um, like a path through the forest, right? You like make this, you walk on the same path over and over again, and it gets stronger. But over time, if you take a different path or a different choice, and you don't yell, that old path gets a little bit grown over and you make a new path in the forest, you know, in your brain, that's what I'm talking about. So um, we're really, we're, we're, we're building new habits, we're rewiring our brains and, um, and it can take time. So your first tool that I wanna give you is called, uh, it's, your, it's your pause button and it's called stop, drop and breathe. So <clears throat> when you feel that you're getting upset or you're about to yell, or even if you catch yourself after you've already been yelling for a full minute, you just wanna stop 
And it's going to be really hard at first, but I promise the more you do it, the easier it will get. So when you just want to stop and you can just like, you can like clamp your hand over your mouth, you can turn away. Um, you just want to stop, just stop whatever you're doing. If you haven't started yelling, um, but you feel you're going to just stop what you're doing. And that's the, that's the first part. The next part is just drop. So you want to drop your agenda. So your agenda might be that you're trying to get the kids to get their shoes on, to get out the door to the park or whatever. Forget about the shoes, but just for a minute. doesn't mean you're going to not come back to whatever your agenda is, but you just have to drop your agenda just for the minute, just for that minute so that you can focus on calming yourself. So you're just dropping your agenda so that you can focus on calming yourself. So you stop, you drop your agenda and you breathe. Because when we breathe, it's a signal to our bodies and our brains that it's not an emergency, right? And that's why we yell. We yell because we get hijacked by the fight, flight, or freeze response. Our brain activity has shifted into our amygdala instead of our prefrontal cortex. So your prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that's like your thinking brain, logical thought, executive function, planning, all that good stuff. And when we're calm, that's the part of our brain that we're using. But when our bodies and our brains start to sense um, something's going wrong or we're feeling overwhelmed or we're feeling afraid and it's that um, the fear and the fear or the overwhelm can be just from our own big feelings, right? Like it doesn't have to be from, you know, um, a, a tiger jumping out at you or, you know, whatever it is, like the, the brain cannot distinguish between a real threat and a perceived threat. So our own big feelings can actually feel threatening enough to us that we go into a fight, flight, or freeze, which is where our amygdala, that's the part of our brain that, that impulses and emotions come from. So that's what people talk mean when they say that you got hijacked or you got triggered. Your brain um, activity has gone from your amygdala to your, to your, sorry, from your prefrontal cortex to your amygdala. So what we wanna do is like, this is basically what self-regulation is. It's um, stopping yourself from getting hijacked or it's, it's bringing yourself back to calm after you've been hijacked. So what we need to do is we need to let our brains and our bodies know that it's not an emergency, that we can handle this, right? So that breathing is a signal to your body and your brain that it's not an emergency because if it really were an emergency, a tiger was chasing you, you would not be standing there taking a deep breath, right? Your, your breathing would be shallow and you'd be running for your life. So when you take a deep breath, that's a signal to your body that it's on an emergency. For some people taking a deep breath actually doesn't make them feel better. And you might know that if you're one of those people, if taking a deep breath doesn't make you feel better, you can do something like um, put your hand on your heart and give yourself a little bit of a rub or like some physical, some physical comfort to yourself. That's for some people that's more soothing than um, taking a deep breath. You can, um, and I have a whole list of about 20 things in my Stop Yelling at Your Kids uh, ebook of different things that you can do to shift that, um, to, to shift that energy, right? Because we're trying to shift the energy out of our bodies, that fight, flight, or freeze energy. And that's actually just a little side note. That's why it, um, yelling can be addictive because it actually does work to shift that energy out of our bodies, right? Like you do feel better after you yell um, just for a second, because then you feel terrible because your kid's crying and you feel like a horrible parent, but you do actually feel better physically for a minute. And so our, our brains and our bodies are like, oh, I know the way to, to make this uncomfortable feeling go away. 
I'll yell. And then, you know, so anyways, we have to do something else. We have to signal to our bodies and our brains that it's not an emergency through a touch or a deep breath or a drink of water or splashing water on our faces or um, shaking your hands out. Or, I mean, I've got some extreme ideas um, that I've got on my list, like doing jumping jacks, doing push-ups. Um, you know, opening the closet door and shouting into the closet, um, having a pretend like parent tantrum where, you know, you, you do it in a joking way, but it actually will like shift some of the energy and make your kids laugh. So that's how, those are some of the ways that we let our bodies know that, um, that this is not an emergency. We also want to use, after we stop, drop and breathe, we want to add in a mantra. Uh, mantra, I'm sure you, most of you know what mantras are, but it's just like a, a, like a phrase, just like talking to yourself. That's how I think of mantras, just like talking to yourself. So a mantra that I love is, um, it's not an emergency, right? That just tell yourself, it might feel like an emergency that you're going to be late for school again, but it's not actually an emergency. Um, some other ones that are really helpful, especially for helping you find your, um, your compassion and your calm in these situations is, you know, my child isn't giving me a hard time, they're having a hard time. Or, you know, my child is doing the best they can. And side note, this works for any relationship that you have conflict in, right? You know, it's not just with kids, but maybe you, you know, I, I didn't, my, I didn't really have that much trouble yelling at my kids, but my partner and I would get in these stupid fights. And, you know, through doing this work that I've done, realized that it's because we're hijacked, right? So you can use these strategies Anytime you get hijacked with coworkers, with your partner, with your sister, with your mother, like, you know, whoever it is. And this mantra, which is my favorite mantra, which is they're doing the best they can, helps with everybody. And I really believe that that's made, when I started thinking about that and telling myself that it has made my life better and happier to think that people are doing the best they can. Um, and it really takes you out of that downtrodden mode, you know, just think, you know, that person who was just rude to you at the grocery store, well, they're doing the best they can, you know, who knows what kind of life they have. Um, so it really brings you to this place of compassion, um, which is important in self-regulation to be able to find your patience and, and find your compassion for your child who's refusing, you know, laying on the floor and won't put their pants on or whatever it is, it is that's going on. So stop, drop and breathe plus a mantra that's really your pause button and your tool for how you can get yourself calm, more calm down. If it feels like it's really, you know, some people it's, it's, they, they get this information. They're like, okay, great. I'll try that. And it, and it works for them. Other people find that they really need to take a minute. If you can safely leave your child, uh, you know, and go into your bedroom or the bathroom or whatever, if you really do need to like go and be by yourself for a minute to get things back together, if you can, you know, if it's, if your child's a little bit older or you can safely, you know, put them in the pack and play or whatever you need to do um, and, and do that, then do that. You know, it's going to get easier over time, but just do what you need to do to use your mantra, use something to shift the energy and also give to give yourself like just, this is for everybody. Give yourself a big hug, you know, that you, of course, you're having a hard time right now. This is really, really hard, you know, especially now with it, with the, I don't know what it's like wherever you are, but with the pandemic and people are having, getting less support and are stressed about their jobs. And, you know, this is a really hard time. So your kid laying on the floor, refusing to put their pants on. Yes, of course, you're getting upset. Of course, it's difficult, right? So give yourself a little bit of empathy, and a little bit of compassion when things are hard. 
if you do, and back to leaving the room if you need to, if your child is a little bit older, um, I would tell them ahead of time, you know, when you do tell them about the respectful voice chart, tell them, you know, I might need to take a mommy or a daddy time out. I'm going to go, if I start to feel really upset and I'm afraid I'm going to yell at you, I'm going to take a little break in my bedroom and I'm going to get myself calmed down and don't worry. I will always come back and we will always work things out. I really don't want to yell at you. And so I might need to take a little bit of a break, right? Because what happens sometimes if you walk away when you're upset with your child, they get uh, their abandonment, um, they get a fear of abandonment um, takes over and um, that can be really upsetting for them. So tell them ahead of time, you know, when I give you the timeout signal, you can do like a T like they do in sports. When I give you a timeout signal, that means I'm, I'm going to go and take a minute and calm myself down and I will come back, I promise, and we'll work things out. And think of what great modeling you're doing too, right? Like if your child is playing with their brother and they're getting upset and they want to, you know, yell and haul off at their brother, but they say, you know, I think I need a minute and they, and they, um, they go and they uh, take a minute to, to calm themselves down. Actually, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story of, about that, that, um, that I just remembered when my daughter was about seven, I think she got a gift certificate for an, the American girl store. And, um, we went to, to spend, it was like, you know, $30. And she was shocked, first of all, how little $30 bought at the American girl store, but she spent like an hour choosing what she wanted to buy. And she was feeling really grown up. We went up to the front of the, of the um, store and waited in line. And she wanted me to stand over to the side because she was going to do it herself. And she gets up to the front and um, the person rings her up and my daughter hands her the gift certificate. And the woman says, oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry. This is for the online store. You can't use that here. And I was like, oh, no. She was, and I just was so afraid of, you know, what was going to happen. And she was so disappointed. And she said, excuse me, I just need to take a minute. And she walked about 10 feet away to the side of the store and took some deep breaths. And there were, like, a bunch of people in line behind us who were like, oh, my God. God, it, like, it was all I could do not to hand out my card as a parenting coach, right? <laughs> um, but people were, so, someone said like, oh, my, you know, my child would have had the biggest meltdown right then or, or whatever. But that modeling for taking a minute to calm yourself down is awesome. And so don't feel bad if that's something you need to do. Um, and, you know, you might even want to do that even if you don't need to, just to show your child that, um, that, that, this, is, that this is possible. And that's another side note that everything you're doing here is modeling for your child, right? I have people that I work with who say like, my son screams his head off at me. Um, and, and, you know, they've just told me how they scream their head off at their child, but somehow they expect that their child can have an easier time of not yelling than they can. I'm like, you know, you're 40 and he's five and it's hard for you. So like, why don't we just recognize that again, he's doing the best he can. So stop, drop and breathe use your mantra, take a time out if you need to. Um, and those are, those are your tools. And then as an overarching, like part of this process, another thing that I want you to do, and, and I have a sheet for this in, um, in my stop yelling at your kids. Um, it's like a, it's like a whole package of fun stuff, but anyways, I have a sheet for it, which is to track your triggers. You can start this right away. And what, so what I want you to do is you can just grab a notebook too, and you just write down every time you get upset, whether you yelled or you didn't yell, keep track of the things that upset you, because believe it or not, they're different for all of us. Some people 
get, you know, they want to lose their mind when their child won't listen to them. Other parents, you know, they just kind of laugh and, you know, try again. Some parents might want to lose their mind when their kid says, you're the meanest mommy in the world. And another parent that might not bother them at all, right? Because we all are bringing to our parenting relationship, our histories and our childhoods and our own, you know, thing, things that are, that we're working on or our own hangups or whatever. So keep, keep track of your triggers. And then after you've been keeping track of them for a few days or a week, look back at them and start to see if you can sort them out. And I like to sort them into two, sort of two categories. One category is um, things that you can do something about. You know, those, I call those the external triggers. So for example, being late. Being late is a trigger for a lot of parents. That is in your control. I'm, you know, you're, having your kid put their pants on might, might seem like it's not in your control, but you can always get up earlier. You can always get more stuff together the night before. You can um, connect more at the time. Transitions are hard for kids because we're distracted and we're not connected. And that's often why transitions are hard. I and mean, also because they often don't wanna do what we're asking them to do. So for that particular trigger, there's so much that you could do. I just mentioned, you know, getting up earlier, getting yourself ready before they're ready, um, scaffolding them more with helping them get dressed or helping them get ready, using more connection and play while you're in that transition time, right? So that's a trigger that you can actually do a lot about. That's what I call an external trigger. Then there are the internal triggers, the ones that I just mentioned of um, your kid not listening to you or your child saying you're mean, you know, I want a different, I want to live with somebody else. Or I want a different mommy. Those things are, I call them that are internal triggers because they touch on some um, story that we tell ourselves or something that we believe or something that um, like to, to put it like directly, something that's makes us feel shame. And that's often at the bottom of every internal trigger is shame, which is I'm unworthy and unlovable. And I know that having your kid not listen to you, it might seem, you might be like, Sarah, how could that, how's that a shame trigger? But when you think about, you know, if someone's not listening to you, it makes you feel not important, right? It makes you feel not important or that you don't count or that, um, you know, that, well, I guess I, I just said it, but if you're not important and you don't count, then you couldn't be a very good person. If you're not a very good person, then you're unworthy and unlovable. So pretty much every trigger, if you start, um, going from like the top level surface of it to like what's under that, what's under that, what's under that is often a, a shame trigger. So what you do about um, a shame trigger is you want to say to yourself, even though, and this is my phrase, even though X, I am still worthy and lovable. So even though my child is not listening to me right now, I am still a great mom or a great dad, or I'm still worthy and lovable, whatever resonates for you, because you really want to separate what you're, what is happening in the moment from how you're feeling about yourself. Because once you can take that shame out of it is not going to be a trigger anymore. Um, so sorry, this is like a little bit more like higher level stuff, but those internal triggers are often about some story that we're telling ourselves. Um, so like there might be, you know, my, if my child thinks I'm mean, I must not be a good parent. So, you, you know, maybe you have this story that you tell yourself that, Great parents have kids who are happy with them all the time, um, something like that. So really start to look at what those internal triggers are and work on the, you know, the even though statement, even though my child is telling me that, that I'm the meanest mom in the world, 
I know I'm still a great parent or worthy and lovable. And it's going to feel uncomfortable at first, but really the key to stopping yelling is to be able to figure out what those triggers are and actually heal them. Um, you know, the beautiful thing about having kids is that they show us all those spots inside of ourselves that need healing. Um, and it's up to us whether or not we choose to, um, you know, choose to do that hard work. You could make it through 18 years of yelling with your kid and, you know, pushing all those uncomfortable feelings aside, but you have missed an opportunity to be like a, you know, a happier and healthier and uh, more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, getting to your, your best possible um, potential is I guess what I'm saying. So whew, that was, that was a lot. I just threw a lot at you. So I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions, um, any comments that you have, I would, I would love to hear. Thank you for that great roadmap, Sarah. It was fabulous. You're welcome. Very helpful. Um, I'd love to hear if anyone has questions for Sarah. Again, you're welcome to chat those questions to us or you can unmute yourself and ask. Hi. Hi, Amy. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for your time today. I have, You're I'm, welcome. I'm not texting, I'm taking notes <laughs> on my phone. Thank you so much. Um, a big thing for us is in the morning time, getting ready for school, you know, and so you talked about being late and triggers and what you, you know, what we can do. Um, and the transition, I think that um, was a um, a light bulb for me. Um, Audrey is five. She turned five yesterday. And that's still kind of our biggest area that both my husband and I have been working on going with her. Um, we've taken some faith-based um, parenting classes. And so we employ a lot of that. Um, but we're still having a hard time with obedience and just getting all the things that need to get done in order to get ready for school. So just mm -hmm. um, any other, you know, comments or um, advice that you have on how to work through that morning routine and getting the child ready and, and off to school without losing, without losing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a couple of Thank thoughts. You. I mean, yeah, I think it's important to um, remember that, your agenda and her agenda are not in alignment at this moment. She probably wants to stay home and keep playing and you want her to go to school. And that happens so many times throughout the day with kids is like, they want to keep playing and you want them to come and take a bath. They want to keep playing and you want them to get ready for bed. They want to keep playing and you want them to come to dinner. So if you notice a theme there, they want to keep playing, right? Like that's generally what kids want to do. Play is the work and the language of childhood. So one suggestion I have um, is that you can use what we call a win-win solution. So, you know, she's five. She's still going to be really interested in playing. So is, is, do you have any other children? Um, I have a, what is he, 10 days old now? I have a new oh, baby that was just born on October 5th. <laughs> okay. So, you know, also, so we're going through a lot of transition right now. Yeah, I was going to say having a new baby is, is, even if your daughter's super excited about having a, a baby brother, is that, did you say a boy? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. a baby brother. It's still going to be really hard for her. Um, mm -hmm. 
it's always hard for older children. And if they're more sensitive, it's even harder for them, even if they're so excited about the baby and even if they love the baby. They, every older child feels replaced when you have mm -hmm. a new baby and they think, mm -hmm. no, wasn't I good enough? Why did they have to have another kid? Do they still love me? Do they love the baby more? Um, will I still get my needs met? Like it's a very, it's a time with a lot of fear for little kids who have a, or any kids who have a, a new baby. And, um, you know, we have to remember when I was just talking about the fear response is the fight, flight or freeze, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you do get sometimes more defiance, you get more, um, you know, provocative behavior, you get just kids are often more challenging um, when you have a new baby and they also will regress. Sorry, I, I went off on a little bit of a tangent on you, but for <laughs> anyone who is, you know, thinking who hasn't, even if all this stuff applies in the first two years, really, of the new baby, like it can be harder at times, sometimes than other times. So yeah, so your daughter's going through a lot of changes, but it does sound like you were experiencing this before the baby was born mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you sound like you have a strong-willed kid. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I love strong-willed kids. In fact, mm -hmm. I am doing um, a free masterclass on Wednesday of this week that anyone who wants to um, can sign up for about strong-willed kids, how to get strong-willed kids to cooperate without breaking their spirit, without mm -hmm. um, threats, consequences, or yelling. Um, but this is the thing with strong-willed kids is that, um, oh, sorry, I, I was talking about win-win solutions. Win-win mm -hmm. solutions are great for anybody, right? So strong-willed kids, kids who don't want to go to school, kids who don't want to get ready, anytime you can use play to, um, to close that gap, like, you know, do you want to, you want to race, you know, can you get your coat on faster than I can get my coat on? I don't think you can because I am the fastest coat getter on or in the world. In fact, <laughs> I won a medal for it last year, right? So anytime you can get playful um, when you're trying to get your child to cooperate with something, then it, it gives them, it gives your daughter what she wants, which is more play. And it gives you what you want, which is her moving towards getting ready. Um, mm -hmm. whenever we have an expectation for our child, like that she will get ready to get ready for school in the morning, right? That's your expectation. And then we have a gap, which is that she's not doing what you're expecting her to do, right? The reality is she's not getting ready cooperatively. So that gap between expectations and reality, um, is where we want to, you know, use more scaffolding, more support to close the gap. Conventional parenting mm -hmm. might say, um, you know, threaten her with a consequence or a timeout or, you know, otherwise make her life. I and mean, we could talk for, for two hours about punishment. If anybody is more interested in why we don't use punishment in peaceful parenting, I have resources on my website that you can look at. But let's just say what we want to use is, is some scaffolding or some support. So the win-win solution is a, is a form of support, you know, finding a way to play, um, using more connection with her or helping her more, you know, like she doesn't want to get ready. You, you know, she's only five. You can get, help her get dressed. You mm -hmm. can, you know, do whatever, whatever scaffolding she needs mm -hmm. uh, is basically what you want to think about. Um, you know, the connection piece is huge. How can you connect with her while you're moving her towards the getting ready for school? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, Sarah. It looks like there's a question in the comments from Crystal. She says, as a stay-at-home mom, she has an eight-month-old boy and a two-year-old girl, daughter, who's jealous. She says she's getting touched out midday and still has hours until her husband gets home. Do you have any recommendations on how to decompress quickly because it's contributing to her lack of patience? Yeah, that's so hard. 
Um, so, I mean, the, the, what I just said, um, I'm sorry, I forget the name of the person I was just talking to. Um, but what I just said to her about, um, about uh, the new baby, really important. And, and, and I will get to your question about decompressing and being touched out, but it would probably help your two-year-old to feel less jealous if you could do, um, the, there's a peaceful parenting tool called special time. If you could do special time with her, for you know, 15 minutes a day while the baby's napping, and basically special time is you immersing yourself in the world of in her world of play. You say, "Sweetie, I'm all yours for the next 15 minutes. What would you like to play?" That will really help. Um, in terms of being touched out, um, somebody recently told me that magnesium can help a lot for that. I'm not sure if um, like I that's just I'm just reporting that. So check with your doctor about that. But that magnesium actually can help with the touched out feeling. Um, and you know, can you take five? Uh, your two-year-old's probably napping. I would think is probably still napping. So while your two-year-old and your baby are, I don't know. Hopefully they nap at the same time for at least 20 minutes in the day, where you can really do something for yourself. You know, sit down instead of like doing the dishes or the laundry or whatever. Sit down and have a cup of tea, read a magazine, um, or do a couple yoga stretches or whatever it is that fills your cup. Um, and also I think just really being compassionate with yourself. Um, I was working with, with some people who were having a new baby and they said, we want to just do everything possible to make this transition as smooth as possible. And I said, you know, that's amazing and it's awesome. And there's so much you can do, but no matter how well prepared you are, there are going to be moments that are just going to be a disaster. And there's nothing, you know, there will be times where everything falls apart both kids are crying. You've just yelled and you feel like, you know, the, I was, I was going to swear, but anyways, I won't swear, but a blank show, right? It's just a blank show. And there's not much that you can do about that other than just give yourself a big hug and some compassion and do what you can to try and, you know, try to make things smooth, but also just forgive yourself. If you do lose your patience, what you're going through is really hard. It's really hard to have a two-year-old and a baby. Um, and yeah, I hope that helps, Crystal. Thanks, Sarah. We have mm -hmm. another question. Shambhavi is asking, what about consequences? Is that a punishment? Saying if we don't put on our shoes, then we don't go to the event. Mm -hmm. So consequences, in the terms that people usually use consequences today, like the consequence for that will be X, is the same as punishment. It's just like a nicer, it's a nicer sounding word than punishment, but there, what you're saying, I'm, I'm going to get back to your specific example, but just for everybody to be on the same page here, when I talk about that we don't use consequences, I mean that we don't um, do things to our children to make them feel bad, to get them to change their behavior, right? So if you don't, um, you know, if you don't stop doing that thing right now, you're not going to be able to go to the birthday party tomorrow. Or if you don't do the thing I want you to do right now, then no iPad later, right? So using a threat of something that a ch child wants or, um, you know, taking their things away, uh, timeouts, you know, any of that stuff is, is st stuff that we do on purpose to cause pain to a child to get them to change their behavior. Um, that is, and, and then a natural consequence is like, if you don't put your coat on, if you forget your coat, you're going to be cold, right? That's a natural consequence. A natural consequence happens without any involvement from the parents. Natural consequences are a great way for kids to learn 
Um, you know, if they don't want to wear their, they want to wear their sandals to go hiking, even though you tell them it's probably better to wear their sneakers and they get, you know, a thorn in their toe or whatever it would be unfortunate, but they would learn, oh yeah, gee, mom's right. I should have worn my sneakers because then I wouldn't have gotten the thorn in my toe or whatever. Um, so just to, to divine our terms, in peaceful parenting, we talk about limits. So a limit um, might be, um, let me just think for a second. Uh, if you are um, playing in the backyard and you're using a stick and banging it against all of the, the flowers and your mom, in his, you say to your child, stop hitting the flowers with the stick and they don't stop hitting the flowers with a stick, you might have to take the stick away, right? But you're taking the stick away to support the limit, which is you want your roses to not be ruined, um, not to make the child feel bad, right? You're not taking it away to make them feel bad. They might actually feel bad because of the limit that you've set, but that's not your intention. So to get back to your specific question, if we don't put on our shoes, then we won't make it to the event. Well, first of all, I would wonder about I don't know if that's a real thing or you're just using it as a as an example. I would say like, um, you know, you can put your shoes on in the car if you want to. You can put your shoes on before we get out of the car to go into the event, but you're not actually allowed to go into the event without any shoes. But if you don't want to put them on now, you can put them on later, right? Give a choice. And you're not threatening um, that you can't go to the event if you don't do what I say. You're just like, this is the way it is. Like, we're not going to be able to go to the event if you don't put your shoes on at least before we go in. And that's just the natural order of things, right? So it's kind of like you have to look at your your intent and your tone when you're setting a limit. So it might be, listen, buddy, if we don't get moving and put our get our pajamas on and get our teeth brushed, we're not going to have time for three stories, right? Which is totally different than get your pajamas on right now or no stories tonight. So you there is a limit and there is like a natural order that like yeah we have to get our we have to get our pajamas on and our teeth brushed in a reasonable amount of time or there won't be time for three stories you know maybe there will only be one um, or maybe we won't even have time for any if we're really dragging our feet but you're not using it as a as a threat to um make your child feel bad whereas the get your stuff on right now or no stories is like the threat of of pain of later so I hope that makes sense. Um, we do love limits in peaceful parenting, but we that we think of them more as scaffolding to help our child rather than behavior shaping by fear, which is basically what a threat is or consequences. That's helpful. Thanks, Sarah. Mm -hmm. And she says, yes, she gets it. Thank you. Okay. There's another question about swearing. This is from a mama of an 18 month old boy. She doesn't yell, but she swears. Any techniques to stop swearing? Her triggers are things she can't stop the child from doing because he's so young, like biting, pulling curtains off the wall, hair pulling, and bothering the dogs. Oh, that's, he sounds like a spirited guy. Um, well, I think that swearing would be in the exact same um, category as, you know, it's still. Um, getting triggered, right? It's it's like I mentioned at the beginning that there's this continuum from exasperated sighs to sarcastic comments to I would say swearing to yelling to, you know, hitting. And it's it's all a continuum. So everything that I talked about is still the same. Um, it's still on the same continuum and you can still use the same strategies. Um, but I would say that some of the things that you that you listed about not being able to stop him, I would say 
you know, you can, it might not be your first choice, but you can keep him away from the dogs by keeping them in separate rooms. Um, pulling the curtains off the wall, maybe you want to, you know, it, it's a short period in your child's life where maybe some extreme baby proofing might be in order just for like a couple more months or, you know, six or eight more months until he's a little bit better able to control himself. So sorry, you didn't ask me that. So that's unwanted. Um, that's unwanted advice, but I couldn't resist giving it anyways. Um, and the thing with biting is that biting is often when kids are, you know, they, they're not verbal yet um, and they have big feelings. So as much as you can empathize with him, he's, he's showing you he's hijacked, right, by the biting. And um, so I would really, um, as much as you can, try and empathize with him, but maybe also decrease his frustration or if, you know, the curtain, the rooms, you don't want to put the curtains up. Maybe you guys just don't spend that much time in that room or only when, um, oh, she says he bites because he thinks it's funny. Um, so I would um, give him other things to bite on. And also, if you think that, you know, when kids do things because they think it's funny, they're showing you that they want some more um, interaction with you and, and connection and um, try and just try and redirect it into something a little bit more. Uh, appropriate. So if he's biting, maybe to get your attention, try and preempt that by if you can, you know, give him a lot of attention. I'm not saying you don't give him attention, just to be clear, but there's something he's getting from that if he thinks it's funny. So how can you meet that need in a, in a different way um, by trying to anticipate when he's going to want that attention or when he's going to want to do game playing with you? Thanks, Sarah. We've been mm -hmm. talking about that one a lot in our group. That's really helpful. <clears throat> okay, good. Anyone else have questions for Sarah? You're welcome to unmute yourself. Uh, Chris, I have a question. Oh, oh. go ahead. Hi. Hi, Hi. Um, Sarah. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. Super oh, helpful. Um, I have a 14-year-old stepdaughter, and um, she is very sensitive or empathetic and um anytime i do like take a deep breath like that's a signal to her that i'm irritated mm -hmm. and that is sometimes it hurts her as much as yelling would and mm -hmm. i'm wondering if there's any suggestions about that you mean when you take a deep breath to try and calm yourself or when are you like yeah exasperation no like when i'm trying to calm myself when i'm irritated right so people who are sensitive um we need to be super explicit with them about by leading with empathy. Like when I talk about limits in peaceful parenting, we're talking about empathic limits and, and empathic limits are, so can you give me an example of, can you think of anything that, that may have preceded the side that you're, when you're annoyed and you're trying to calm yourself? Um, yesterday we were going somewhere and on the way she got a phone call that she was missing um, an appointment that was not in the calendar and I had no idea about. Okay. So, and then you were like taking a breath to try because you were annoyed with her that she didn't tell you about it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, leading with empathy in that case would be, I mean, I guess if you can, you can try to make your deep breaths a little less obvious <laughs> if you can. Um, but also for somebody who's really sensitive, she needs to know that you still think that she's a good person, even when she messes up by doing something like not telling you about an appointment um, and that, you know, that she's missed this appointment. So you can say like something like, um, you know, I know it's really hard to remember to tell me these things, or I know you've got a lot going on, or I think you, I, 
I think you must have forgotten to tell me. Um, so whatever, like leading with empathy, acknowledging that, you know, you're not a bad person, basically, you're saying, like, I still think you're a good person, even though I'm not happy about the fact that you didn't tell me about this appointment. So, um, you know, this is, or you could say, like, I know you didn't mean to have this be um, working out like this. At the same time, this is, this is really hard, or whatever you, I don't even know what you feel like you would need to say about it. Um, or we can work this out or something like that. What do you think? Yeah, that's good suggestions. I feel I feel like it would be difficult when I'm irritated, but mm -hmm. well, something maybe to strive for. Work on the irritation. Um, sorry, that's blunt, but like maybe you know, I remember. Okay, I got really irritated with my middle son when he was 14 once, um, and I actually I got so irritated um, that I was talking to my mentor, who's Dr. Laura Markham. I was talking to her about this, how I was so irritated with him, and she said why are you taking his behavior so personally? She said, did you take it personally when he was two and he would act like this? And I was like, no. And she said, he's 14, you know, his brain development is like, you know, he's not thinking about anybody but himself right now. And that's totally normal for a 14 year old. 14 year olds are very egocentric and that's part of their development. And why are you making this about you is what she said to me. So maybe working on your, annoyance with your stepdaughter would be the first step for you and you okay. know remember when I said she's doing the best she can yeah and it's probably hard to have a new baby like she you know the new baby stuff applies to 14 year olds as much as it applies to five-year-olds yeah we definitely have noticed that too yeah well yeah. I love that you're here showing up for her and and wanting to find a way to um make their, your relationship good that's really important Thank you. This has been amazing. Good. Sarah, it looks like we have one more question about, sure. um, in your experience, have you heard of improved communication in marriages as a result of peaceful parenting? I am like the best case study in that. <laughs> yes, 100%. Um, you know, I, uh, again, in like a, a conversation with Dr. Laura once, I was talking to her about how my husband sometimes has these little, like these little tantrums where he gets in, in my opinion, he would get upset about things that were stupid, like, um, and you know, that he would just, I'm way more easygoing, I guess, and things just don't bother me as much. But I would, you know, he would have like a little tantrum about something. And I would just say, well, actually, I'll give you an example. She said to me, she, I said, you know, I really don't have any trouble finding compassion with my kids when they get upset and have tantrums. But it's really hard for me when my husband does. And she said, well, what if you could um, give him the same compassion that you give your kids when, when they're having a hard time. And I was like, all right, I'll try. But it, you know, it sounded, it felt really hard at the time. It felt like, why should I have to do that? He's the grown up. you know, why do, you know, why do I have to quote peaceful parent him? Um, but I thought I'll try it. And so the next time he, um, he was leaving for work in the morning and one of my kids had left a sweatshirt on the floor of the mudroom and to be honest, it had been there for a few days and I hadn't done anything about it. They hadn't done anything about it. And he's on his way out the door and he said, who left this sweatshirt here? And he started to have this little tantrum about the sweatshirt. Normally I would have said, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, why are you making such a big deal out of this? And then we would have gotten in a little fight just as he left for work, right? 
But instead I said, oh yeah, I know how much that bothers you. I'll get, you know, the child in question to take care of it. And I saw his shoulders like go down a few inches, right? Like, you know, he was just stressed about something about work or whatever, but me empathizing with him when he was having a hard time was, was huge. Right. And, um, you know, just applying all of the, that was sort of the beginning of me being more empathetic and compassionate and not just like fighting back when I thought something was dumb that he was upset about. And after about six months, he said, have you noticed how much better we're getting along? I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I have noticed. Um, but, you know, all of the things that I talked about with triggers, like, you know, if you have triggers in your relationship, you can apply those same things and like really look at the triggers. There are all the peaceful parenting tools are really, um, are really relationship tools. So prioritizing connection um, with, you know, special time. Like I said to the one mom, like have special time with your daughter every day. Well, if you're not making time for your partner and having time where you're not talking about the kids and you're not, you know, figuring out who's going to do what for the week or you're watching TV or whatever, you know, find, make 15 minutes a day to sit and have a, a coffee together or a cup of tea or a glass of wine or, or go for a walk around the block if you can or something where you're like actually trying to connect. Um, that's just an example of one of the peaceful parenting tools and how you can apply it to your relationship. But I find really um, it's, it's life-changing. I mean, I, I even had a client who said to me, she was talking about exactly how, you know, the peaceful parenting tools had changed her relationship with her kids and her husband. And she said, she said, and even at my career, she said, I'm a better dentist because of peaceful parenting. So like, I really do think it, it's, as you can see, I'm very passionate about it, but I do think that, you know, it's um, their, their relationship tools and our kids relationship is the one that we're talking about today, our relationship with our kids, but it really applies to all relationships. Great reminders. Thank you, Sarah. Great oh. question, Crystal. Thanks for asking that. Um, I posted in the chat a link to Sarah's website. It's also um, in the Facebook event and I've shared it in an email with all of you. Sarah, is that's the best place for folks to go and find more about your ebook and your upcoming classes, right? Yeah, you know, um, maybe I'll just pop a quick um, link to the webinar here because it's actually not on my website. I just oh, okay. Oh, good. Okay? I'm glad I asked. Okay. Um, I also have uh, I have a free Facebook group, um, this uh, Peaceful Parenting Facebook group that anybody is welcome to join. Also, um, it's a really nice group. Um, of um, like-minded parents who are various places on the journey. So even if you just want to learn more about peaceful parenting um, and you can just Google my name on, or put my name in Facebook and you should. Is that linked from your website too? Yeah, it's from my website Perfect. also. Great. Yeah. So that's all in the chat there. Thank you so much for your time today, Sarah. We really appreciate it. And You're welcome. It was really nice fabulous. to meet all of you. Fabulous tips. And you guys can go to her website and meet more with Sarah or find her on Facebook. Thank you again for joining us. And thanks for all of the folks joining us on Zoom. You've been listening to The Nest on Tap. For more talks about pregnancy and parenting, visit us online at thenestnevadacity.com, on Facebook at The Nest Family Resource, and on Instagram at thenest.nc.com.